0: If I could say anything to the monger and have it actually listen to me, <laughs> it would be go away about certain topics. Like, go away about making bread. We don't need to have monger bread every time to make bread. <laughs> so I'd be like, monger, get on your train and go to wherever breadland is and pick on someone else. <laughs>
1: Hey guys, it's me, Nancy Jane Smith. Welcome back to a new season of The Happier Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. If you're a longtime listener, this season is going to be just a little bit different. Think of it like a journey. I'm Dorothy, and we're not in Kansas anymore. You're following me down the yellow brick road to the magical land of self-loyalty. And along the way, we're going to run into all of our old friends and frenemies, the monger, the BFF, and the biggest fan. And if you're a new listener who's like, uh, self-loyal who and what's a monger, no worries, because we're going to start the story of the happier approach all the way at the beginning. So click your ruby slippers, put Toto in your picnic basket, and follow me. Hold your phone up like this.
0: I've never been able to do that properly. In my
1: <laughs> this is a guy who knows me really well.
0: Well, um I'm Doug Harris, <laughs> husband of Nancy Jane Smith. Um <laughs> her nearest and dearest, if you will.
1: <laughs> Doug's see me at my best.
0: My first impression of Nancy Jane Smith. Um was, you know, do you remember you, that? Or? You got to go with a laugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how can you Just not? How can you not be attracted to that laugh? You're so sweet. What a guy!
1: <laughs> and well, he's seen me at my worst. How and when did you get introduced to my monger? Would you say?
0: I mean, I think as soon as you meet Nancy's monger when she's signing the check, she's like, "How much should I tip this person? I know what they deserve, and I know what I would do if I was them, but..." Oh, I'm just going to write this number. I'm like, great, you did a great job. You've, you've done a wonderful service to the server. Excellent. But do you think it's the right number? <laughs> yes, I, I agree. My
1: monger is the mean voice in my head that makes me second-guess myself, the obsessive part of me, the part of me that tells me I'll never be good enough.
0: A big, heavy-weighted blanket that keeps you down from moving anywhere. Not mm-hmm. a not a down blanket that's nice and light and fun. And look, I got this cool jacket. But, like, one that, like, keeps you in place from going anywhere.
1: So what are some of my tells? You said deep size, but...
0: Mostly they're physical, like rocking back and forth. Usually she'll rock back and forth, like, 18 inches. But on Big Monger days, there's, like, this big four-foot rocking back and forth. <laughs> fourth thing that she does.
1: And my monger, she can be really
0: loud. It's as if (laughs) you're in a pool and there's lifeguards all around you watching you and they're going to blow the whistle at you as soon as you do something wrong. But there's no lifeguards and no one's watching you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That is how it feels for sure. (laughs) For a lot of my adult life, that's exactly how I felt. I had this internal commentary constantly telling me how I could improve myself and what I was doing wrong, telling me that if I wasn't careful, the outside world would find out what a lazy, antisocial, obsessive failure I was. When I became a counselor, I was fascinated with the idea of the inner critic, that voice of self-doubt and criticism, aka the voice I ended up calling the monger. Mm When I started writing and presenting about the monger, everything clicked. People resonated with that obsessive voice of self-doubt. I wasn't alone. Other people had mongers, too. One day, I did a presentation about the monger at a local wine shop. Going into the presentation, I felt excited, super confident, because I was about to share a monger antidote with my audience, a voice I called the biggest fan. She was the monger's opposite, a wise cheerleader who always had my back. By listening to the biggest fan, I could make my monger quiet. After my presentation, a friend came up to me and said, oh, I love that presentation, but I'm not gonna do anything you said to do because I need my monger. I need that mean voice or I won't get anything done. And boom, there it was, the belief that I'd unconsciously held for so long. I needed that voice. I needed the monger. I felt a mix of relief and shame. Relief that I wasn't the only one who believed I needed the monger, and shame because I felt like I was presenting about something I didn't fully understand. That moment was enough to make my biggest fan get quiet again. I stopped talking about the monger, and for a while, I let her run my life. That is, until my dad got sick. Okay, Teddy. I hope it picks up the volume. It is July 19th, 2015. This is an interview I recorded with my dad, Ted Smith, a few years after he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and dementia. Okay, so what comes to mind when you think about growing up in Columbus?
2: Living on a farm. Or working on the farm. Okay.
1: I wanted to record some of his memories to freeze him in time as the larger than life character I'd always known. How did you meet your wife, and how did you know she was the one?
2: Woo! <laughs> I met my wife in a Sunday school class at the at, at, uh, United Methodist uh, Church. How did
1: you know she was the one?
3: Because I, I wore the pink dress.
2: I don't know, I just got the impression that she was the one I really
1: can't put my finger on it. I <laughs> put into words. It's such a
2: romantic answer. screw you
1: <laughs> My mom's one of the people who knew Dad best and loved him. idiosyncrasies and all
3: okay. there's more wine in the cupboard. Did you kill the bottle? yeah, but it was not it wasn't full. it', it oh, is this on is this on Yes, yes. oh. Yeah, my name is um, Jane Smith. Nancy Jane Smith is my dear darling daughter. Ted was three years older than I was, and my sister was two years older, and she and her friends, they were all all about Ted, and he (laughs) dated all of them. In fact, I counted, I think, 20 people that he dated before he dated me, and Ted knew what he wanted, and he had his rules, everything had to be done quote-unquote perfect, mm-hmm. you know. To his expectations. To his expectations, yes. Yeah. I will say that he was very direct, and he always spoke his mind. Mm-hmm. and Even he- if it was inappropriate. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: I remember Ted being a really good guy.
1: That's my husband, Doug again. He and my dad had a good odd couple kind of relationship. They were total opposites, but they got along so well.
0: He always wished for the days when it was the good old days, back when he was mowing the yard or whatever, but very proud. And never quite good enough, which was bizarre. (laughs) It never quite made sense to me. I'm like, you are a fully accomplished man. Wow.
2: I never, really, I, I, I never really accomplished that much, I guess. For somebody to look at me and say, you're this person, I don't think I've ever done that.
1: My dad got sick around the same time I had that revelation about my monger. You know, the one where I thought I needed a mean voice in my head to survive. And spending so much time with my dad, I started to recognize the voice of the monger in him.
2: You have to be, watch out. You have to watch what's going on. Because people are not honest. So you have to protect yourself. You've got, you've got to try to raise your kids so they, they don't know how to protect themselves. And you protect yourself.
1: Seeing that monger in my dad, it broke my heart. Here was a man I adored. He was in his late 70s, strong, intelligent, resourceful, and kind. And all he could talk about were his failures. He was very rigid. And there's my mom again. You know, rules. Rules. How even like we'd go to fancy resorts and he would pull out his... Bran flakes and yeah, grape yeah. nuts. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he would eat that instead of eating the buffet or yeah, whatever, because right. that's what he ate. Yes, that's right. <laughs> because his rule was, you need to eat healthy. Oh, yes. you could. He couldn't eat the crap that was at the buffet. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yes, right. So what do you remember about his dad's illness? Whew. His illness
3: was long, I mean, long-standing.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, if Ted was the sun, and then the sun went out. And so Nancy <laughs> didn't know what to do. She was a solar-powered individual.
1: My dad's death, well, it brought me to my knees. It was totally devastating. He was a guiding force for me. And without him, I felt totally lost. Because the grief over Dad was so great. Yeah. For the first time, I couldn't ignore my feelings. Yeah.
3: I get a lot of tears in my eyes, you know. And when I look at the Cardinals out, you know, mm-hmm. I know that Ted is there, his spirit. I know that he is with me. And even though I tell him that I wish he was here, but but he isn't. But I know he's here in spirit.
1: After my dad died, I decided a way to honor him was to figure out once and for all how to quiet this monger voice. This voice that had plagued him and was torturing me. I was going to find a way to shut down the monger once and for all.
4: The first time I ever met, Teddy came in my office, and literally, I don't even know if he said hi. He said, you need to break up with your
1: boyfriend. (laughs) Do you remember that? This is Mary. She is one of my oldest and best friends. She knew my dad, too. And she watched me struggle after he died. So do you see some of him in me? Uh, You think?
4: (laughs) 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 Yes, the rules and the voices and the same... um I'm sure beating yourself up, even though to me he seemed like this, you know, like my dad. We want to see them as this big, confident person. But um, but I think he was probably driven by the demons that you are as well with the, you know, go, go, go. And you got to do better all the time and you're not good enough.
1: Did you see a link between that and me writing the book?
4: Yeah, I thought about this. I think it brought the monger full and center, brought it to life. I think since it kind of controlled you and him, now that he was gone, you needed to dissect it and really bring it it to life. It could no longer basically just go unanswered.
1: My grief over my dad, it was all consuming. And writing The Happier Approach was one way I could channel it. I told myself that if I was going to write a book, I was gonna be 100% honest. No more pretending that something might work when it wasn't working for me. I was going to own how hard self-acceptance actually was.
4: Basically, I think you told me you were going to kind of lay out the voices in your head. You kept talking about these characters, and then it was so cool because you really did
1: dissect your your three parts of your constantly talking head, I think. Those three voices, the mean monger, the overindulgent BFF, and the wise biggest fan, are the main characters in The Happier Approach a.k.a. the voices that are constantly cross-talking in my head, and getting to know them has been the key to overcoming my monger. So how would you say, do you, do you think it's made a difference in me since writing the book? Yes. Um, I was a little nervous you were going to be like, no. No, I definitely do, of course. <laughs> Cue my husband Doug again
0: the book just kind of, I mean, I hate to say wrote itself, because I wasn't the one typing it by any means. I was just sitting downstairs, and she's typing upstairs, um, probably crying, mostly. (laughs) Um,
1: It did kind of write itself. Like, I felt like it, like, sometimes I'll read that book and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I wrote this, you know, mm -hmm. because it, I think some of that was just, I was so all encompassed by grief that I don't remember the struggle of writing it. But also, um, it My monger was pretty quiet during that process. That was the wildest part of writing The Happier Approach. Even though the characters and methodology just flew out of me and onto the page, the actual craziest part was that the whole time, my monger was quiet. She showed up from time to time, but she didn't stick around long. And I think it's because while I wrote the book, I was being radically honest with myself. In other words... I was practicing self loyalty. Finally listening to that wise voice of the biggest fan way in the back of my head and bringing her up to her rightful place front and center. our quest this season on The Happier Approach, to shine a spotlight on that self-loyal voice. We're going to get to know each of these cross-talking characters, the monger, the BFF, and the biggest fan. We'll talk to experts in neuroscience, ex-journalists, and labyrinth builders to learn how to tap into that wise inner voice of the biggest fan and hop, skip, jump into the magical land of self-loyalty. I'll be learning right alongside you, and honestly, I can't wait to get started. When I had that recent conversation with my mom, she brought out a copy of The Happier Approach and flipped to the acknowledgements page. And then I liked up your acknowledgements. I thought, oh, you wrote my mom. You acknowledged me in your book. (laughs) She reminded me who this book, this podcast, the whole Happier Approach is for.
3: And you said, thank you for giving me the gifts of Roots and Wings. And then you said for your dad. You taught me the power of integrity, perseverance, and showing up. You are the inspiration for the book. I only wish you were here to read it, and I miss you every day.
1: the happier approach is produced by nikki stein and me nancy jane smith music provided by epidemic sound and pond five for more episodes to get in touch or to order a copy of my book the happier approach you can visit www.live-happier.com and if you like the show please leave a review on itunes it actually helps us out a lot We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Take care. Until then.